0: Good afternoon we want to welcome you to our Bible study and we're certainly delighted and elated that the Lord has allowed for you uh, to join us from wherever you are at this particular moment we don't take for granted your time as far as um, this time of study and sharing is concerned so thank you for for joining us I want to Call your attention to Second Peter chapter Two, starting at verse twelve through verse seventeen. we're going to be talking about um, false teachers, and uh, it's interesting that Peter um, basically has been on a tear as far as dealing with false teachers. These are teachers who are perverted. these are teachers who are degenerate, defiled, polluted, contaminated. Um, They're corrupt. And we want to help you to understand uh, what are some of their characteristics as far as uh, these false teachers are concerned so that you can avoid them. But before we get started, I want to um, have a word of prayer as we sense and seek what it is that the Lord will have for us to do and learn and glean as far as this time together is concerned. So that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you uh, for who you are and for what you continue to do as far as our lives are concerned. We pray, oh God, that you will open the hearts and minds of those that are listening at this time so that they can uh, become what you desire for us to be that is disciples of Jesus Christ. That being said, oh Lord, we need for you um, the master teacher to show up, teach us your precepts, and let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. Amen. All right. right. Second Peter, chapter 2, starting at verse 12. Um, and I want to read it. We want to mark up uh, our passage as far as the word of God is concerned and get a sense for how we should be flowing today. In the New King James Version of Scripture these words are printed, but these like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Beor who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrain the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wow, wow. I mean, Peter really goes in. So let's unpack this in a very meaningful way. Um, and let's highlight uh, this passage that hopefully some things will stick out to you. I'll just show you what, what uh, stuck out for me in verse 12. But these like natural brute beasts, if you would highlight that phrase, natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed speaking evil of the things they do not understand, highlight that phrase speaking evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption, highlight uh, perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness. Highlight, um, will receive the wages of unrighteousness. As those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. Circle the word, carouse. They are spots and blemishes. If you would highlight that phrase, spots and blemishes. Carousing in their own deception. Circle the word, carousing. Throw a line from um, carousing to carouse. In their own deceptions. While they feast with you. I want you to underline the phrase while they feast with you. Circle the word feast. Circle the word feast. Having eyes full of adultery. Highlight that phrase. And cannot cease from sin. Highlight that phrase. Enticing unstable souls. Highlight the phrase unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices, if you would highlight the phrase, a heart trained in covetous practices, and are accursed children, highlight accursed children. Verse 15 and 16, if you would just underline both of those verses. And then verse 17, there are wells without water, highlight the phrase, wells without water. Clouds carried carried by tempest, highlight the phrase, uh, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. If you would highlight the phrase the blackness of darkness. All right. So let's talk about the corruption of false teachers. And there are several things that really stick out as far as false teachers are concerned. Peter compares false teachers to natural brute beasts and anything that i can share with you as far as beasts are concerned is that beasts basically operate their living from an instinctive perspective rather than using reason and rationale in other words animals are more instinctive and they belong to nature now it is interesting again this hard language that Peter is using to show how serious he is about the false teaching that these people are bringing as far as the church is concerned. And he is saying that like beasts, they too will perish. They too will perish. So again, Peter is referring to these false teachers and how they arrogantly rebel against God and they behave as if Satan's influence means nothing. So really they are talking about stuff of which they do not understand. Peter also wants us to understand that these false teachers are no better than the creatures of instinct. They, they live instinctually and, and one day they're gonna be caught and destroyed. Now, let's be honest, these are some hard words coming from the chief of the apostles, Apostles Peter, but this is how serious he is about the sins of false teachers. He is concerned that teachers who lead others astray will sooner or later face detrimental punishment. Now, again, here I am talking about being judged by God. Here I am again talking about how Uh, Those of us who preach and teach the gospel really are going to be held to a higher standard because we have influence on people who take our word as being truth. And this is why you have to be very, very careful about whom you put before your people because if it's not in line with the word of God, we as pastors are going to be held accountable. Again, This is why I take preaching and teaching so seriously because ultimately God holds me as pastor-teacher accountable for what I share with you. So teachers who lead others astray, especially with intentionality, we face a greater punishment. Okay? It ain't no joke. False teachers will face a greater punishment. All right? So, Peter is basically saying, you cannot teach based on instinct. You have to teach based upon the word. We as teachers are called to a higher standard. We as pastors are called to a higher standard. All right? So, let's look at verse 13. When we see in verse 13, and we'll receive the wages of unrighteousness, and those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime." In other words, Peter is saying that these false teachers are going to be caught up in their own lies, their own false teaching, their own wealth, and they're going to be paid back with severe judgment. All right, here I go again, talking about this word, judgment. And, and and I have to say that we live in a culture and we live in a time where people don't want to hear about judgment. Now don't get it twisted. We love to talk about the justice of God, but we don't wanna hear about the judgment of God. And God is gonna judge us. Every single solitary person, believer or non-believer, atheist, agnostic, Or disciple, male, female, rich, poor, or in between, Uh, regardless of your ethnicity or spectrum on the color line, all of us are going to be judged. And so there's a judgment coming and there's a judgment for those of us who are disciples or followers of Jesus. We're going to be judged based upon what we do with the Word of God and how we live our lifestyle as far as disciples are concerned. Those of us who are pastors and teachers are going to be judged based upon what we share with those who listen to us. So God, the Bible says, judgment will begin in what? In the house of God. And so those of us who are pastors and teachers are going to be held to a higher standard. Alright? right. And then we also must understand that there's a judgment for those that are wicked, those that do not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of sin, those who disregard who God is. All right. For those of us that know who Christ is in the pardon of our sins, according to the scripture, we're going to be judged and we're going to be rewarded accordingly to what we do for those that disregard who God is, those that Uh, give God basically uh, the middle finger in so many words and I use that not even metaphorically but there are some people who really do that you're going to be judged as far as being wicked and regardless of what folks said there is a heaven and a hell to which all of us will be assigned but then also uh, for those that are false teachers God has significant judgment for them alright now Let me unpack this for you. Peter is letting us know that false teachers are going to be harmed for the harm that they do. That false teachers, when you turn people away from the gospel to lying, that ultimately those false teachers are going to have to give an account to God for that. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I don't want to have to give account to God for teaching falsely that's why I take this Bible seriously and in teaching giving you the proper understanding of the word of God alright okay God is going to give false teachers what they have done to others now (laughs) here, here is here is the crazy thing because there are some false teachers who try to act like they're uh, possessing some special level of knowledge, but 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 they don't hide their sexual orgies under the cover of darkness. They do it in the broad daylight. All right. Now, here is where Paul, is, not Paul, Peter, is tapping into specified sins. That these false teachers engage in. They pretend they have a special knowledge. And they engage in such sexual immorality. That Peter said that you're going to have to give an account for this. And they weren't even hiding it. They weren't even hiding it. They, They were so arrogant, so full of themselves. They were not even hiding it. They were not even hiding it. Notice, notice what, 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 what Peter really wants to drive home. They were blots and blemishes, like a stain on a clean shirt. They were blots and blemishes, um, uh, like, like, like a a, a stain. You could, you could see it. it, it sticks out. Now. Notice what Peter said, they were engaging in their deceptions while feasting with you. What what is this feast he's talking about? Uh, Most likely, Peter is dealing with the fact that these false teachers were ruining Christian gatherings just by showing up. Okay? Okay. They, they, they were partaking in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Um, they, they were engaging in the love feast or the agape meal that basically ended with the Lord's Supper. So what Peter is saying is they show up, they're false teachers. They're telling you that Jesus Christ isn't Lord. They're telling you uh, of another gospel. They don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, they, they are basically saying that he wasn't fully human or that he wasn't fully divine. Um, they're basically saying that it did not take a, spiritual, uh, a physical resurrection for him to be alive. When you hear folks talk like that, run. When you hear people calling right wrong, run. When you hear people calling wrong right, run, run. Let me say it again, run. And we have a lot of that taking place in today's culture, and you need to run. So, so really, what 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 Peter wants us to understand that one of the greatest hypocritical acts that these false teachers would do was to show up at the Lord's Supper where they're supposed to be, where the Lord's Supper is basically couched in love and unity while at the same time they live and spoke in opposition to Jesus Christ. So they show up to partake of the Lord's body and blood from a metaphorical sense while they were speaking in opposition to who Jesus Christ is. That was the height of hypocrisy. And this is what Paul meant when he said that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Jesus Christ. These false teachers were more guilty leading others away from the truth and Peter is saying, God's gonna get you. God's gonna get you. They show up at communion while at the same time talking against Christ. God's gonna get you. God's gonna get you. Now when we go to verse 14, Oh, he really goes in. He really goes in. He he really goes in. He says, having eyes full of adultery, that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a hard train in covetous practices and are accursed children. I mean, he really, really, really goes in. Notice what he says. Eyes full of adultery. This means that the false teachers were looking upon women and all they had were lust. They were looking at them lustfully. In other words, they were turning, they they were coming to church to set up sexual encounters. They, They were almost as bad, well, they were as bad as the pagans who went to pagan temples and engaged with the temple prostitutes these false teachers came to the lord's house looking for sexual encounters okay they also had this insatiable appetite for sin they didn't care what what they did and and and, and basically what they did was they were looking for people who weren't strong in the faith to bring them away, and they were very greedy, they were very greedy, they were very greedy, they were prideful, they were immoral, they were sensuous, they were blasphemous, they were slanderers, they were accursed children. And Peter is going in on them. I mean, Peter is going off on them. And yet, what we have to understand, again, that those who teach are held to a higher standard. That means mean that those who teach aren't exempt from grace, but they are held to a higher standard. They're held to a higher standard. And, and, and this is where the Lord really wants us to understand that we as pastors and teachers have to be very careful what we teach and what we preach because people believe us and if they practice what we share with them and we have done it from an erroneous perspective especially intentionally oh god's got something for those teachers let me say that again. God's got something for those teachers. Now, let's look at, at what happens as far as how they are described um, in verses 16 and, and 17, verse 15 and 16. And, and and the best way to to talk about what we see in verse 16 15 and 16 rather is to really help you to understand where peter is pulling this example from in the book of numbers as the children of israel are getting ready to make preparation to go into the promised land um, peter is looking at an old testament illustration to apply for false teachers. And he brings up um, a false prophet by the name of Balaam. All right? So basically, Peter is saying that in these false teachers, in their greed and sinfulness, they have deliberately left the straight road and gone astray. And, And they're following in the steps of Balaam 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 was hired by a pagan king to curse Israel the children of Israel are making their way to the promised land and one of the pagan kings wanted to see Israel fall so he calls upon this uh prophet by the name of Balaam, trying to get Balaam to curse the nation of Israel. All right? Now, let let me just, just share with you that Balaam at one time was a halfway decent prophet. But eventually, his love for money caused him to go astray. And and in his love for money, this king, this pagan king, gave him enough money to curse Israel. Now, let me, if I could, deviate just for a moment because we got to be careful about false prophets even in today's culture. And we saw this, and, and God knows, when I look at what's happening as far as the church is concerned, that we got false prophets, false teachers on the liberal side and the conservative side and in between. Alright? They're on both ends of the spectrum and even in between. Now, what's a false teacher? A false teacher is basically someone that goes against the word of God and give people what they want to make them feel good rather than what God will have them to say. All right. Um, um, We saw false prophets in the election. In this past election, we saw false prophets because there were people on the evangelical conservative side who, quote, prophesied that Donald Trump was going to be re elected president. And when that didn't come to pass, they had egg on their face. They had egg on their face. We, we got false prophets on the liberal side who basically says any and everything can go as far as your living and culture is concerned. False prophets. False prophets. And, 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 and a lot of them are saying things because somebody is feeding their pocket. They, they were looking for the stage. They, they, they were looking for clicks on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Snapchat and TikTok. They're looking for the applaud applause of the crowd. And when you preach or teach just to tickle the ears of your hearers, God holds you accountable for that. As a matter of fact, this is why, unfortunately, many churches are going down because they are rooted in a sugar coated gospel. They, 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 they are grounded in a gospel that is disconnected to the personhood of Jesus Christ. They they, 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 they are so focused on either their culture or their lifestyle or some other identification marker to substantiate who they are until they take the Bible to bend it toward them. And that's not how it works. Let me say that again. That's not how it works. And, and, and so God's going to hold a whole lot of folks accountable for what they share in preaching and, and in teaching. And, and, and like I said, even most definitely these false people prophets. Okay? Now, I want to continue to uh, uh, talk about this this dude named Balaam just for a moment, Um, because I know I deviated just a little bit, but I want you to understand that we got Balaam's and Baleshima in today's society. All right? Now, Balaam, in your leisure, just read Numbers chapter 22 through 24. I want you to read that. But I'm going to give you the synopsis of it. Balaam was hired by a king. Uh, uh, His name was uh, Balak. To put a curse on Israel because he feared the numbers of the Israelites and he feared the power of God. And, And Balaam liked the offer of a handsome reward for placing a curse on the children of Israel. And Balaam claimed to do only what God told him, but the money was so strong a temptation that Balaam thought he could figure a way out of obeying, a way out to obey God while he still get money. All right, now let me tell y'all something. You can't pay for this gospel. You can't pay for the word of God. Now, on his way to see King Balak, three times, Balaam's donkey saw an angel of the Lord standing in the path, and that angel was ready to kill Balaam. It was ready to cut his throat, take him out, and, and each time the donkey stopped and refused to move, move forward, Balaam would beat the donkey. He, 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 he would just beat that poor donkey. And, and finally, the donkey turned around and started speaking back to him. <laughs> The the donkey said, listen, why are you you doing this to me? You don't see what I see. And Balaam realized that the donkey had probably saved his life. An angel rebuked Balaam for his wrong attitude and his wrong motives. Balaam realized that the donkey wasn't moving forward because if the donkey had moved forward, Balaam would have died. Because here's what I want you to understand. You got to be out of your ever loving mind to think you can go against God and win. Can I say that again? You, 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 got, to, you, you, you got to be either insane or very wicked to think you can go against God and win. So Balaam finally obeyed God and refused to curse the Israelites. At least Balaam listened to the donkey, but false teachers don't listen to anybody. Let me say that again. At least Balaam listened to the donkey, but false teachers, you can't tell them anything. Like Balaam, false teachers expect to get away with their mess and still get some type of monetary reward. Okay. Whew. Let me go ahead and bring this home. Bible says they are wells without water. That's what false teachers are. That that when you drop your bucket into the well, ain't nothing coming up. There are clouds carried by a tempest. For whom reserve the blackness of darkness forever. Though the ultimate judgment of heretics is assured, Peter is writing this because of the damage they continue to do in the church. And it is so meaningful even in 2021. We got heretics that are damaging the church. And so what Peter has done is saying there there are avenues of God's deliverance from these ungodly people. We have given you a description of what the false teachers look like. And now he's explaining to you the destruction that such false teaching can bring to the church. Their are wells without water. The false teacher's message will only end in disappointment. Can I let you know that's what this prosperity gospel has proven to be? False teaching. They give no water. Their messages cannot deliver what's been promised. How many of you all Noah, folks who sent in money for some blessed oil or blessed water and nothing happened. They brought no rain. They're blown away by the slightest wind. But the problem is that these false teachers with their empty promises and enticements make people think that they're actually getting water. We got false teachers in the streets. These identity cults, false teachers. God knows I see them all the time on Facebook. false teachers, who, who, watch this, who try to be so deep and so Afrocentric and so comedic, talking about how Christianity borrowed from the Egyptian religion, but what we fail to understand is that the Judeo-Christian religion is focused on a monotheistic God, whereas Egyptian religion is focused on many gods small g. Many gods, multiple gods, whole lot of gods. Don't fall for the okie doke. These teachers taught lies and in hell will they lift up their eyes. They can't deliver the water you wanna drink. They can't deliver the water that you need for your life. They, 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 they just don't have it. They, they, they just don't have it. Let me, let me close with this, and, and I think this will bless you real good. One thing that I, I'm, I will do as long as I'm pastor here is I'm going to preach this Bible. And I'm going to teach this word. And I'm, I'm going to do it from the best researched perspective that always, always affirm God, our father and creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer and savior and the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, our God. I, whatever I preach and teach is going to be rooted in the personhood of the triune God. I'm going to let you know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm going to let you know that anybody who is serious about following God by connecting with Jesus Christ can have an amazing life even in the here and now. I'm going to always... Believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead in physical form and that God sent the Holy Spirit not to make us shout, but to help us live the way Christ wants us to live. That, you know, I'm going to teach why you need to be part of the church. And regardless of what the culture says, regardless of what the culture says, the church is the best thing that God's got going in the world among humanity. I'm I'm going to teach you that our God is not limited by space or place, but God has with great intentionality created something for us to have a place of belonging. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you know that none of us can claim to be sinless, but as we grow in Christ, we ought to be sinning less. Listen, that's what I as a pastor I'm going to teach, preach, and affirm that is the foundation of why I do what I do. Okay? And regardless of what the culture is, there's a standard. There is a standard. There's a standard. Notice that in Peter's teaching, the stuff that we fall out about Ain't what he's teaching about. What 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 Peter is is sharing in text. He ain't talking about whether or not women should be ministers, pastors, or deacons. You don't hear him talking about that. He he ain't talking about whether communion is a meal of grace or a sacrament or a memorial meal. No, he he ain't talking about that. He ain't talking about the denominational stuff we get caught up in. He is talking about the person of Jesus Christ. Let me close on this. Because what blesses me is false teachers will lead you to a well that is dry. False teachers will, they're all thunder and lightning, but no rain." Whew. But Jesus had an encounter one day with a woman of Samaria. And he asked her, he said, um, give me something to drink, give me some water. And that woman of Samaria looked at him and said, you know, you're a Jew. You asking me, a Samaritan woman, to, to, for something to drink? Because, you know, Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. And, and, and Jesus basically said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking for water, you would be asking him for water, and he'll give you living water. I'm here to let you know right now. I'm not living water. Jesus is. St. Paul is not living water. Jesus is. No church is living water. Jesus is. And Jesus is the living water where you will never have to be thirsty again because this water springs up into everlasting life. You don't ever have to be in want again because this water springs up into everlasting life. If you're watching this video right now and you don't know who Jesus Christ is and the partner of your sin, I want to encourage you to get to know him. I'm going to teach about him. I'm going to preach about him. I'm gonna give them glory. I'm gonna shout about them. Listen, it doesn't get any better than Jesus. It doesn't get any better than our God. It doesn't get any better than the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to understand. And and and, and can I dare say that I want. Here at St. Paul. As the Lord has allowed for me to. Be the under shepherd here for almost five years now. And however long the Lord allows for me to be here. I'm so concerned. That I want folks to know. Who they're serving. Why they're serving God. And what does it mean to be in relationship with God? I am serious about discipleship. I'm serious about your growth and development. I'm serious about you becoming more knowledgeable and understanding of God. Cause here's what I wanna drop on you. I don't want you to get so caught up in works because your works don't save you. Ooh, can I teach, can I teach? Don't, don't get so caught up in doing works that you're disconnected from the one who saved you to do the works. Here, here's what I want to bless you. There's no salvation in your works. There's no salvation in your giving or tithes and offering, No salvation in you reading the Bible. No salvation in you coming to church either digitally or physically. Ain't no salvation in that. Your salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. But God saves us to serve. Let me say it again. God saves us to serve. I don't want you to get so caught up in serving that you ain't saved. That on the day of judgment, that you will hear Jesus said these infamous words. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know who you are. Master, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Yep, still don't know who you are. Master, didn't we do great works in your name? Yep, still don't know who you are. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know who you are. Relationship informs discipleship. Discipleship informs your stewardship. Stewardship informs how you carry out your work or your workmanship. That's why knowing Jesus is very important. Amen. Well, I hope and pray that we've given you some more identification markers of false teachers and and as you prepare to, um, as we prepare to uh, move from this point uh, at this time, uh, it's my hope and prayer that you will see the good works that we're doing here because we're about trying to make disciples. And part of your discipleship is connected to stewardship. And for the disciples here at St. Paul, you have been very gracious and very generous over this pandemic. And I thank you. You have a wonderful opportunity to even now um, to give. You can give either by mailing check or money order to the church here at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205, or you can uh, drop off check, cash, money order here at church. Just call the church at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. We're going to put it in a safe, and then we turn it over to the count team to make sure that it's counted. Another way that you can give is also through our website. Through either acs or church life and then you can also give through the app called giblify and if you don't have that app on your smart device download that app to your smart device set it up with your favorite credit card and in three clicks you can give and so i want to encourage you right now wherever you are if you feel led to give go ahead and do that you're supporting good work you're sowing into good soil but listen Uh, Before I go, are there any questions? There aren't any questions. So uh, God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Thank you so much for your time. I was blessed to be part of this conversation with you or to sharing with you. I hope you were blessed and received what I said in love and grace.